We have a great privilege this morning uh, to hear from someone other than me, which is fantastic. Um, uh, Patrick Shea, who is an associate pastor at Trinity Fellowship in Big Rapids, another evangelical free church not too far away that we have a good relationship with, uh, is here to um, bring God's word to us this morning. And I'm tempted to list all of the reasons I'm excited to have Patrick preaching, um, but I don't want it to go to his head. Um, And I'm just going to introduce him then and have him come up and share a little bit more about who he is, and then you'll just be able to uh, get to hear him yourself. So Patrick, thank you. I told first service I was wondering what he was thinking there. Um, We'll have to find out later. I don't know what uh, that is. Um, It is good to be here. It's my pleasure to be here. I've had the opportunity to get to know Pastor Gary and Pastor Travis a little bit through uh, some relational and directional retreats that Pastor Gary DeBach hosts. And so I've been a part of those, and uh, Pastor Gary and Travis have been a part of that too. And They're great guys, so I'm glad that uh, you have them and that I can be here too and have the privilege to preach. Um, There's a picture of my family up there, so you can get to know me a little bit, Uh, and my family. We have Declan over here on the far left for you. He's seven years old, and then my wife, Jenny, and our youngest son, Emmett. He's nine months now, so that was taken uh, just two weeks after he was born. And then we have Kirsten. She's five. And then myself, and then we have Haley, and she's three. So we're all here today, some downstairs, some... I I don't see my wife here anymore. So she's with Emmett out there probably. Um, But that's my family, keeps uh, our lives uh, occupied and busy and on our toes, but it is a joy and privilege to be a dad and husband um, to them. So I ask you to join me in prayer as we get into God's Word together. Father, we thank you for your grace lavished out upon us uh, this day in Christ. We thank you for the many blessings that are known and are unknown that you just love us with. God, thank you for the opportunity to be here, to gather as your people. We pray that you would help us to fix our eyes on you if they are not fixed on you already. We come from all sorts of walks and lives, and I don't know everything that we bring here today, but I pray no matter what it is, whether good or bad, we can lay it at your feet and just have our hearts soft and tender before you. Come, Holy Spirit, meet us right where we're at with a word that we need, with an action step that we need to do. Whatever it be, God, we welcome you here, Holy Spirit. Come and do your work in us and through us this morning, we pray. Ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want to begin with a quote from a book from, uh, that I read a while back, back in college, by John Piper. It was titled, Don't Waste Your Life. It was a really good book back then. In fact, we still give it away as kind of a newcomer uh, visitor gift to people who come and visit our church as an option. Don't waste your life. And a quote from that goes like this. John Piper says, but whatever you do, find the God-centered, Christ-exalting, Bible-saturated passion of your life and find your way to say it and live for it and die for it. And you will make a difference that lasts. You will not waste your life. And that's what I 
want to challenge and encourage you with this morning, this idea of not wasting our lives. We want to look at the wasted life and then the invested life and encourage us to invest our life fully, wholly, completely in Christ. And I want to look at those two along with the question, what is our salvation and what is it really for? So we each are given time, energy, resources, talents, treasures. And for those of us who are in Christ, we are given every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And I don't fully comprehend what that means, but that's something. And we're given the Holy Spirit. We are empowered with the Holy Spirit. We are given so much in Christ. And yet, maybe you're like me to where even with all that I tend to not make full use of that. I tend to, in one sense, waste all the God-given blessings that God has given me, my God-given life in Christ. I had a whole list here of different ways that I've been tempted to in the past to waste my life, my time, my energy, things like that on. And it's not totally exhaustive or comprehensive, but maybe you'll identify with some of these things that I was thinking of. Wasting it on selfish ambition, compulsive busyness, desire for things that I don't have, comparing myself to others, living in the past, worrying about the future, especially nowadays with the whole election cycle and everything, how much is worry and fear about our future as a country, worrying about what everyone else thinks and says about me, trying to impress others, letting fears hold me back, waiting for the perfect time to act and go, but knowing that God says now, and I'm waiting. Well, maybe tomorrow, God, maybe the next day, maybe when it's right, maybe when I'm feeling up to it, and just holding back. Or maybe it's holding on to some kind of bitterness, resentment, or anger towards others. And it could be just a little thing, but it's a seed of bitterness that if not dealt with, it just sucks energy from you and time and everything and negative thinking and whatever it might be. So again, the question is, what is our salvation for this new life in Christ that we've been given? It's certainly not for those things that's an old way of life so what is it for and i want to take us to ephesians chapter 2 that's where we're going to be this morning and i believe paul gives us just a good answer what is our salvation and what is it for and i think it ties in with what with what you guys have been going through in titus these past few weeks and it all starts and ends and centers on the gospel So if you have your Bibles with you, I encourage you to take them out. The words are not going to be on the screen for this passage. So it's Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. And I encourage you to follow along as I read aloud. Paul writes, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, 
but God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship. Another translation, we are his masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And that is our salvation and what is it for? It's right there. I could be done. Maybe, you know, amen, there's the sermon. Take that. But I want to I go through a little bit more with you. So, the sermon notes, I, um, I think you guys do sermon notes. And over at Trinity and Big Rapids, we do a lot of fill in the blanks. So if you want to take those out and you have a pen or pencil, I encourage you to follow along. You can track with me with where I'm going with the outline and all. And you'll see some fill in the blanks for you. I know this even gets um, children, like my son can do this. So uh, there's that. We're going to be looking at the wasted life versus the invested life. Okay? And we're going to start with... The wasted life. And the wasted life is one, uh, is a life, a person that has never turned from their sin and rebellion against God and trusted Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. They may be physically alive, but they are spiritually dead. They are living a dead life. They may be alive, but they are a dead man or woman walking and it is a wasted life of the first degree and this is something that we all were born with that we experienced we all were once dead we all were once children of wrath under the just judgment of god for our sin and rebellion, both innate that we were born with, passed on from Adam, but also in our active choices and participation in that nature. I don't know if some of you remember what your life was like before Christ. I came to Christ at a young, a young age. And there wasn't much of my life before Christ that I can remember coming and being rescued and saved from out of but we all have a story, and to even be rescued, sometimes you think, what would my life had been like if Christ had not saved me or rescued me? There but for the grace of God go I. For anybody who is in sin, that was stated by somebody who was in prison and saw somebody going to the gallows, and he looked out and he said, there but for the grace of God in my life go I. That could have been me. And so that is something to remember to keep us humble, and to keep us thankful, to remember where we came from. We were all dead. Dead is dead, not just kind of broken or not so good. I mean, we were dead. And that's where it gets so good. A pastor, Andy Stanley, he said, um, 
We're not better than anybody as Christians, as Christ followers. We're not better than anybody. We're just better than where we were. We're better off than where we were, which was dead. So first and foremost, a wasted life is one without Jesus in it. But on the other hand, an invested life is one that is turned and trusted and found true life in Christ. It's one that gets the gospel. Look in verses 4 through 6 again. We see this, but God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, raised up with him, seated with him in the heavenly places. And how do we get there? We realize how dead we are. We realize our sin. We understand it before a holy God and we turn from it. We turn from it and we receive by faith the forgiveness that is available to us in Christ and we completely surrender everything, everything to our Lord Jesus Christ. And in that we find life in dying to ourselves and dying to our old way. We are raised to new life in Christ. It's getting the gospel. I think of a song uh, actually, that the children sing at our church. They sang it for Mother's Day last week. It's called Alive, and it's by Hillsong. And actually, Pastor Travis said that the children sing it here as well. And it was so good to see the kids, including my uh, son and daughter, up there doing this Alive song with motions. And I wanted to share with you some of the lyrics. And uh, um, I almost broke out in dance last service, but I'm not going to do that but if you sense i'm starting to go to a rhythm and beat it's because of the song okay and here are the lyrics for it i was lost with a broken heart you picked me up now i'm set apart from the ash i am born again forever safe in the savior's hands you are more than my words could say i'll follow you lord for all of my days i'll fix my eyes following your ways forever free in unending grace you are alive in us. Nothing can take your place. You are all we need. Your love has set us free. It set us free, and it's so good to see the kids because they are dancing and going, and you think faith like a child, right? Freedom like a child, alive like a child, just going free. That's the life we have, and a life invested is a life that gets that gospel and has it. But now what about those who have professed Christianity? Maybe some of you, you come here, you come to church, and you profess, yes, I'm a Christian, I'm good with Jesus, but something seems to be missing. Something seems to be off. Look with me at another passage. I'll put the words up on the screen for you here, and you can stay in Ephesians. It says, what good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith, professes faith in Christ, but does not have works. Can that faith save him? And then down verse 17, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. It's dead. The good works are evidence of a saving faith. And if there is no fruit, it is evidence then in a Christian's life, a professed Christian's life, of a false faith 
a dead faith, a professed faith. Yes, I'm a Christian, but in the end, a wasted faith. And the works, it's a wasted life, not only without Jesus, but it's a wasted life for one that professes Christ, but does not produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And Jesus even gives us a strong warning in Matthew 7 here of this wasted life. Look at chapter 7, 19 and 20. Jesus says, Every tree that does not bear good fruit, that does not have the fruit, is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, confesses, professes, Lord Jesus will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father, who is in heaven, clearly obedience and service to God, are required, are one with those who profess Christ. But is it just, well, work harder, make the fruit, add the fruit. If I don't have fruit, I'll add it. I'll work at it. I gotta have it. I'm supposed to have it. I must have it. Don't hear that. Work harder for the fruit and all that. One that doesn't bear fruit or has fruit doesn't need to focus on the fruit. They need to focus on the roots. They need to get the gospel again. It's evidence that the gospel wasn't gotten fully. And so look at Ephesians 7 through 10 here. I'm going to read this again and you'll hear the grace in here along with the good works. And it says, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works or fruit, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. It's a gift. It's a gift. The fruit is a gift. And we can only receive it in humility and gratitude through faith. We can't earn it. And even our own receiving is prompted by the Holy Spirit's working in our heart. I was thinking of a scene here uh, Saving Private Ryan. Has anyone seen that? Saving Private Ryan? It's kind of an older one now. But um, in there, at the very end, there's a powerful scene where Private Ryan, who had a whole team sent to save him from the war, uh, most of his team end up losing their lives in order to save him. And it's coming to the very end. And Captain Miller is there on the bridge and he's dying. And he says, Private Ryan. He pulls in Private Ryan. And he says, earn this. Earn it. And then the whole rest of the life, his life, Private Ryan is trying to earn that great sacrifice that was done for him, for all the lives that were lost, to save him and give him life. He's trying to earn it. And he comes to the grave of Captain Miller and he says, I hope I did enough. I hope you'll look down and that you're pleased and that I did enough. Part of me just goes, oh yeah, I see, I see. But a whole huge part of me goes, that's not it. That's not it when it comes to Christ. You can't earn it back. What he did for us, what he did for you, what he did for me, you can't earn that back. 
You can't spend your whole life then trying to be good enough to be worth the sacrifice that was given for you in Christ and all the sins of you and the world that he took on. You can't earn it. And the fruit isn't to show that you earn what he gave you. What you can do, though, is you can receive it and you can live it and you can proclaim it and you can profess it and you can share it and you can pass it on. That's what you can do. You can walk in it. You can have new life in it. Not out of guilt, but out of gratitude. You are free in him. And he gave it to you as a gift, that new life in Christ. That's the good news of the gospel. The invested life is one that gets the gospel and gives glory to God through giving good works to others. It's an invested life. By nature, we were objects of God's just wrath, but now by grace, we have a new nature. We are a new creation. We are a new person. We have a new identity to live by, to walk in. And as we do the good works that we were created for, to do in service to him and to others for his glory, then we are investing in eternity. You talk about a sure and secure investment nowadays. What, what do you invest in? For those that think of retirement and all, what are you, what's your sure investment? There really is none. There is none in this life. But the sure investment is Christ. A sure investment is to the kingdom. A sure investment is to fix our eyes on what is above. Treasures in heaven. And in so much as we resist what we were created to do, and we go back to our old ways, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, which is Satan, in as much as we follow in that old way, we waste our lives. We waste our lives. So what is our salvation? What is it for? Our salvation is clearly laid out here in Ephesians 2. And I'm sure you heard it. I read through Titus a few days ago. It's all over that as well. And so is the good works. So are the good works. And so our salvation, in part, is for us. It's for our joy. In inward transformation, we get joy out of that. And out of that transformation, that leads to an outward focus. Love our neighbors as ourselves is an outflow of that transformation. That that is for others, for others' good, our salvation for others' good. And finally, and ultimately, it has an upward aim, that it's all for his glory. Our salvation is for him, his glory. One commentator said that we are God's publicity program for the world, history, and today. We are billboards of his grace. With the hero as Jesus, that ought to be written all over our demeanor, our words, our actions. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Let me tell you about Jesus as part of getting the gospel. And we've had the privilege of baptizing several people recently in our church. And it's been really good. And I'm in charge of capturing their testimonies so that they can share those on video with both our services and also online, which is really the public's place now, putting on Facebook and Twitter and get it out there. And as I meet with them, I say, you know, as you share your testimony, 
I really want you to focus on the hero of the story. Not so much all your details, but I want you to focus on the hero, Jesus. How does Jesus enter into it? How did he rescue you? How did he save you? How are you living for him now? What's he doing? So that people see Jesus and give glory to the Father in your testimony when you share. And I tell you, it has been encouraging. And we have given glory to God and what he has done in these people. And we pray for more, that God would do more of that. You know, this whole chunk of scripture, Ephesians 2, 1 through 10, is one big sentence. It's not even multiple sentences. It's one big thought that Paul has. So everything in there goes together. It fits together. The transformation that he talks about from death to life is foundational. His glory is ultimate and the good works that are in there as well are inseparable from that salvation, from that grace. And wasting our lives, I think, happens when we think salvation is just for us personally. It's just for me or it's just a ticket to heaven. It's only about me. And we miss or ignore the God-given moments in our lives to give glory to God and live outward-focused lives. So what does the outward-focused life look like? One that gets the gospel and is walking in the good works that God has prepared in advance for us. I want to share with you a testimony from a Greek philosopher back in the year around 130 A.D., And it was his testimony that he gave to the emperor of Rome himself, Hadrian. And he says this about the Christians. They love one another. They never fail to help widows. They save orphans from those who would hurt them. If they have something, they give freely to the man who has nothing. If they see a stranger, they take them home and are happy as though he were a real brother. They don't consider themselves brothers in the usual sense, but brothers instead through the Spirit in God. And he also goes on later to write as a follow-up. And because they acknowledge the goodness of God towards them, lo, on account of them, there flows forth the beauty that is in this world. Billboard of grace before the emperor of Rome himself. Of the transformation that had taken place in them through Christ. So what's the so what for us? What are our billboards looking like? What are the good works for us to walk in? I have three action steps to suggest. Trust, try, and tell. And let me explain that a little bit more. It starts with praying. Praying and trusting. Praying this prayer, God, what are you doing and how can I join you? What are you doing right now in my neighborhood, in my school, in my workplace, in my community? What are you doing? And how can I be a part of that? What are the good works that you have prepared in advance for me to walk in? And trust God that he will just pave the way and open it up for you and open up doors for you to speak, for you to act. And when the door is open, the second step is try. T-R-I, take responsibility and initiative. Grace is opposed to earning. It's not opposed to effort. So says Dallas Willard. Try. 
Take responsibility and initiative. He opens up a door, walk through it. And then finally, tell others. That's the giving glory to God part. Tell others what God has done in your life. Tell others about what he's doing in your life, in you and through you. That encourages one another. Whenever I hear of a story in our church of God doing an amazing thing in someone's life, I said, don't keep that to yourself. I want to videotape that. Can I videotape it? (laughs) Sometimes they're like, no, no way. I was like, okay, well, then tell somebody else. However you are comfortable for telling, I mean, tell somebody. Let's give glory to God in what he is doing. And I actually had the opportunity to be here three weeks ago um, visiting with my family. I was just on vacation over at the Children's Museum and we came and visited. And I don't know if you noticed if we were here or not, um, but I did notice that you guys, as you were going through Titus, again and again, it was pray for the one. Pray for the one. That's the first step. That's fantastic. I'm not saying anything new. I'm just continuing on with Pastor Gary and what he's been going through in Titus. Keep praying for the one. Whoever that one is, pray that God would open doors for you to reach out to the one. And then try, take responsibility and initiative. I don't know what the next step is for the one that you're praying for. It's probably an invitation, an invitation to something, either to your home, to something here, who knows. I'll give you an example here of, uh, of pray, trust, try, and tell others. So when I moved to Big Rapids, it was three years ago, and we moved into a neighborhood. It was part of this residency that I was doing with Pastor Gary DeBach over at Trinity as I was finishing up seminary. And when my wife and I came, we said, uh, God, what are you doing in this neighborhood, and how can we be a part of it? How can we help have an impact here? You've planted us here now in this neighborhood. There was a lot of young families and um, people that didn't know the Lord. There was maybe a few other Christians that we knew of. And so um, part of it was just building relationships with them. Let's get to know our neighbors, and then let's help them with any projects that they're doing. So one of our neighbors had a project of just digging up their yard because they were making more space for a basketball court that they were doing. And as we were helping and digging and bringing over our wheelbarrow and shoveling and all that, the uh, dad said to me, hey, don't you do, um, knowing I was part of a church, uh, don't you guys do Bible studies or something like that? I said, we do? Why do you ask, you know? Well, I'm interested about the Trinity and... You know, and so we just even got talking about the Trinity right there and then. And I said, well, what do you think about getting in the Word together? You know, how about you get in the Word and I get in the Word and we'll talk about it together. What do you say to that? He said, sure, sure, okay. Well, let's start in Philippians. And so a few weeks go by because he's busy and, you know, we finally get a time. And we meet that night, and he says, you know, Patrick, I was reading that um, scripture for today, the Philippians chapter 1, and I came across something that I just have a question about right off the bat, and it's kind of been bugging me. It's like, okay, great, you're asking questions of the word. And he says, well, I know that there's like the Gospels, the Gospel of Matthew, the Gospel of Mark, Luke, and John. He comes from a Catholic background. He goes, but I'm really confused at what the gospel is here. What, what's Paul talking about when he says, live a life worthy of the gospel? What's the gospel? <laughs> I said, what are you asking? You're asking me this question? What is the gospel? Let me tell you. And we just walked through the gospel together. What is the gospel? And now at the end, 
you know, he didn't make a decision for Christ right there and then, and he still, I don't think, is a, a follower of Christ, but he heard the gospel, and I asked him if we can continue this and continue on, and he was open to it, so it's a start. And here I am doing the third step, telling others, telling you, giving glory to God for what he is doing. He's doing a work all around us and among us. Let's join in. Let's dive in. Let's be a part of that for the good works that God's laid out before us. So sometimes you've got to look at the positive and negative. What's so bad if we don't do this? It's the wasted life. But what's so good if we do? Well, it's a well-invested, joy-filled life that pays back eternal dividends. Not just for you, but I mean, this is, this is eternity we're talking about with the one. That they come to know Christ and become alive in him. So my challenge, my encouragement to you all, this morning, this week, this month, with this whole pray for the one. Don't give up. Keep praying for the one. Let's get the gospel. Try, take responsibility and initiative in the grace of God that he gives us. And walk well in the good works he's prepared in advance for us to do. For his glory and our joy and others' good. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your great love for us in Christ. Thank you that you have taken us from death to life. And if there is anyone here who hasn't gone from death to life, who's not sure about Jesus, who's never made a decision, who has never turned and trusted, God, may they not leave this place, this building, before talking with one of your people about who Jesus is and how they can follow him and give their life for him. God, you're doing a good work. I know you're doing a good work at Trinity and Big Rapids, and I thank you and we give you glory for that, but I know you're doing a good work here too, at Trinity, here in Ludington, in and through the people here. God, continue to just blow us away with your grace and your goodness, and that, (laughs) I don't know, I come back and visit a year from now and just giving you all the glory for the good things that you're doing. Thank you, Lord. We can't thank you enough. We thank you in Jesus' name. We pray. Amen.